at 11.30. How are you guys doing? Good. And I'm so glad that you guys joined us on Baptism Weekend. This is the best thing that we do all year. Uh, I'm going to take a few moments. I'm really excited what I have to share with you guys today. So two Mondays ago, I made a plan uh, that I was going to do some work in my yard. To be honest, it's kind of been neglected. It doesn't look great. And so I made the plan. I was going to wake up early. I was going to get some weed and feed, put it in my little spreader, hit my whole yard, front yard, backyard. Now, if you've ever laid down fertilizer, then you know that the next step is way harder than just spreading the fertilizer. That's pretty easy. Then you have to soak it in, right? You got to make sure that it gets down into the soil so that it can do its work. And if you're a little bit OCD like me, you don't really trust like that the sprinkler is going to get everything. So you hand water it and it takes forever. I'm very pale. I get sunburns. It's a horrible experience. And so strategically, I planned it I planned it. I planned to do this Monday before last because the forecast was 100% chance of rain. And I didn't want to water my yard. And so I was going to do the easy part and then let God do the heavy lifting. But if you live here in San Antonio and you remember two Mondays ago, even though there was 100% chance of rain, it did not rain at all. I kept waiting and waiting and no, and how does this happen? A hundred percent chance, not a 90%, not 99, no window of opportunity, 100% chance of rain and zero rain fell. And it just kind of served as this reminder to me that no matter how hard we try, we really cannot predict our future. And that's kind of a problem for us because a part of our human nature is a longing to know what the future holds. And because of that, we expend a lot of our energy trying to predict our own futures. And so every time you set up your roster for fantasy football, you're predicting what's going to happen at the end of that week. And every time you choose a college degree, people are doing that based off of a prediction of what they want their future career to look like. Every time we dream about what our life is going to look like in 5, 10, or 20 years, or when we spend time worrying about things that haven't happened yet. Those are all predictions. We choose who we're going to date based off of a prediction of what our life would look like with them. We try to predict elections and Oscar winners and fashion trends. We are a people of prediction. And sometimes people take it a little far. Does it ever feel like Every year, there's a new end-of-the-world prediction. And you know how these go? It's like these certain planets are going to line up this certain way. Or if you read every eighth letter of the Declaration of Independence backwards, and it like spells out that this is the end of the world. And I can remember specifically one of these in 2009. And it had gotten like attention. It was on the media. It was all over the place. A lot of people believed it. And the night that this was going down, I was playing a show in Austin, Texas. And on my way, I stopped to get some tacos. Pretty normal for me while I'm on the road. However, when I went to check out, my total for my food came to 666 on the day the world was supposed to end. <laughs> now, I want you guys to know that I'm not superstitious. But I bought one more taco just in case, all right? <laughs> Wasn't taking any chances. You see, the problem with trying to predict the future is simply that we don't know 
the future. And I know it's still kind of tense to talk about, but last year's election was a great example of this. I mean, it didn't matter what channel you flipped to, people were shocked, everyone's predictions failed, and depending on where you fall on the political spectrum, that might have been a great day for you, or it might have caused you a lot of distress. And that's the thing about these predictions, is that when they begin to fail, it can cause us a lot of pain in our lives. You know, I don't think anybody gets married predicting that their relationship is going to end in divorce. And yet statistically we know that 50% of those marriages are in fact ending in divorce. People never predict when they go into college that after spending thousands and thousands of dollars on a degree that they'll graduate just to be able to barely find a minimum wage job. People raise their kids with a prediction that they're gonna grow up to be upstanding citizens and now they're adults making really horrible choices. Maybe you predicted that you would live a healthy life but you've recently been diagnosed with a disease. Our predictions continue to fail us. Maybe yours are simpler, you know, maybe you just, maybe you just predicted that your bikini body was going to last a few more years than it happened to her. Maybe you predicted you would skip out on your dad's receding hairline. I don't know, I don't know which predictions have failed in your life, but what I do know is as life goes on and we get older and more and more of these predictions fall through and now we look back, we're not where we want to be in life, it can really cause us to lose hope. And my fear is that the same attitude gets transferred into our spiritual life. So we've become painfully aware that we can't tell our own future, and so why should we have any confidence of what's going to happen to us after this life is over? And if you've been here, it's what we've been talking about in this series. We've been answering the question of what happens after I die. And Witty and I have really been digging into the Bible and we've been making some compelling points about how you should be able to have confidence that when you die, if you've believed in Jesus, that you can't lose. That you will spend eternity in a perfect heaven with a perfect God who loves you in unimaginable ways. But I understand that A lot of people have had so many things go wrong in their life and so many predictions fail time and time again that maybe it's hard for you to believe that. Maybe you haven't bought in yet. Perhaps it's hard to think of Jesus as anything other than just an ancient historical figure or you know, maybe you see the Bible as just a book really trying to just predict the rest of our lives like everything else is trying to. And so if that's the case, then why should you hinge all of your hope for your entire life on what the Bible says? And the answer is, if all of that is true, you probably shouldn't, unless the Bible is more than that, unless the Bible is more than simply a book of great stories and predictions, and so let me get my bias out on the table before we go any further so you don't have to wonder about it. I absolutely believe that the Bible is more than just a book of predictions. In fact, I believe that it's the very word of God. I've dedicated my whole life to what it teaches. And so before we go any further, 
today I just want to take a few moments to make the case, a compelling case for why I believe that. And so if you're here, whether you're skeptical, you're all the way sold in and you believe, or maybe you're on the fence, I just wanna ask you to track with me for the next few moments. And so first, let's talk about exactly what the Bible is, because it's got a lot of dynamics to it. The Bible is made up of 66 different books written by 40-some authors over the course of about 1,500 years. Now, what's important for you to know for our discussion today is that the Bible is broken down into two major sections that we call the Old Testament and the New Testament, two sections. The New Testament was written shortly after Jesus was on earth. You may know that, but what you may not know is that the texts of the New Testament, these books that are written in here, are the most historically verified, reliable, and accurate books from the ancient world, period. Now this wasn't decided by some Christian professors in the back of a church somewhere. This is after hundreds of years of historical and scientific research shows that the New Testament is unparalleled among ancient texts and that's important because the New Testament tells all about the life of Jesus. Now the Old Testament was written around a span of a thousand years and the last writings came about 450 years before Jesus came to earth. And the purpose of the Old Testament was to point everyone to the coming of a savior. One person who was going to come and make a way for us to have a relationship with God. And so the writers of the Old Testament put down predictions. Over 300 of these predictions about who the Savior would be so when the Savior came, everyone could recognize him. Now what's even more interesting is these 300 predictions were not written just by one person. They were written by dozens of people who lived across a span of about a thousand years, lived in different geographical locations, didn't know each other, didn't have access to each other's writings. In other words, these writers of the Old Testament made their predictions independently about the same person. And so I started to think with all of that coming together, what are the odds? What are the chances of a person showing up hundreds of years later and fulfilling predictions made by dozens of different men living in different locations in different spaces of time? And so I did some research, and I'm a little bit of a nerd, so you guys follow me. Let's talk about the odds of that happening. For reference, for reference, the odds of you winning the Powerball lottery is one in 175 million with an M. In other words, if you're spending a lot of money on the lottery, you probably shouldn't be. <laughs> the odds of you filling out a perfect March Madness bracket, picking every single game correctly, winners and losers, one in 128 billion with a B. Now, a couple of years ago, some mathematics professors got together to talk about what the chances would be of someone showing up hundreds of years later and fulfilling these different prophecies by different men at different places at different spans of time. 
And what they found is pretty amazing. They said that for one person to show up and completely fulfill just eight of these predictions, forget about the 300, just eight of the predictions would be a staggering one in 100 quadrillion chance. One in 100 freaking quadrillion. Do you know how big of a number that is? Of course you don't, neither did I. So let me break it down. If you had a hundred quadrillion dollars, you could buy every single person on planet Earth a $20 million mansion. These are staggering odds. In other words, for one person to show up and fulfill eight of these Old Testament predictions, while maybe mathematically possible, is rationally impossible. And so here's the game changer. When Jesus came to earth, he didn't fulfill eight of these Old Testament prophecies. And he didn't fulfill 80 of the Old Testament prophecies. When Jesus came to earth, he fulfilled over 300 of the Old Testament predictions about the coming Savior. We don't have odds for that because we don't have a number big enough to show this happening by chance. And there's a reason because it didn't happen by chance. You see, the Bible is not a book of predictions, it's a book of promises. The Old Testament wasn't written by scientists gathering data to try to make their best prediction. It was written by men called prophets. And prophets were spoken to directly by God so that they could speak out God's plans for the world so that God could then send his son to fulfill the words of the prophet to prove that he is who he says he is so that in 2017 we could stand here and talk about it and build our faith together. And so let me show you what just a few of these prophecies look like. 700 years before Jesus was born, a prophet named Micah said, but you, O Bethlehem, are only a small village in Judah, yet a ruler of Israel will come from you whose origins are from the distant past. In other words, whose origins are eternal. And then in the New Testament we read, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem. He took with him Mary, his fiancee, who was pregnant. She gave birth to her child, and she wrapped him in cloths, and she laid him in a manger. Listen, Bethlehem was a small, insignificant speck on a map. No one would ever think that the king of the world would be born there, but Micah did. And he called it 700 years before it happened. Another prophet named Isaiah lived 800 years before Jesus came. And he got even more specific about the birth of the Savior. He said, the Lord himself will choose the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. The virgin will give birth to a son. And then, of course, in the New Testament, we read that an angel came to Joseph and said, Joseph, do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary, for the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary was still a virgin, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. And a virgin birth is crazy enough, but someone calling it 800 years in advance might be even crazier. Around 520 BC, a prophet named Zechariah looked forward to the day that the king of kings would show up in Jerusalem, but 
Instead of showing up how we would think a king should show up, riding on a majestic white horse, Zechariah painted a very strange picture. He said, shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem, your king is coming. He's righteous and victorious, yet he's humble, riding on the colt of a donkey. And 550 years later, the strange scene actually played out. It says the disciples brought the colt to Jesus and they threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And the crowds in Jerusalem spread out their coats on the road and his followers shouted and sang as they walked along, praising God. Listen, if this isn't blowing your mind a little bit, you need to check your pulse. These are thousands of years worth of predictions all coming true in the same person. These aren't generalizations. They're not broad assumptions about who the Savior would be. They are specific. And Jesus came and fulfilled them specifically. And there's more. Did you know that the Old Testament also talks about Jesus' death? Over and over again throughout the Old Testament, there are predictions about Jesus and how he would be beaten and how he would be whipped and how he would be spat upon and how people would jeer him and mock him and how people would cast lots and gamble for the clothes that they had ripped off of him. In the 22nd Psalm, King David wrote about Jesus' death that my life is poured out like water and all of my bones are out of joint. The first thing that would happen when you hang someone's entire body weight from a cross. He said, my enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and they have pierced my feet King David wrote this about Jesus a thousand years before he was crucified. And not only that, but King David wrote this 500 years before crucifixion was ever even invented. Listen, the Bible is not just another religious book. It has done what no other text has ever been able to do because the Bible calls its own shots. And what it shows us is that Jesus is not just another religious figure. He's the fulfillment of prophecy. God spoke about him in the Old Testament and then he sent him into the New Testament. Jesus makes all the difference, 300 fulfilled prophecies. Only God could do that. These prophets weren't in the business of, of social science or guesstimating or forecasting the weather. They were speaking the very words that God gave them, and we know it because it came true. And so if you're here today and maybe you're on the fence or you're not a believer my hope is that this has given you something to consider, and I feel like, I believe, that you would be wise to take some time and consider whether or not this could be true, because if it is, it changes everything. And if you're here and you are a believer and you've already put your faith in Jesus, I hope this is incredibly affirming to your faith. I can't even tell you how much this built into my own faith as I was putting this talk together for you guys, because here's the deal. If you're a believer, I haven't even gotten to the best part because the same God spoke through those same prophets to guarantee us that one day Jesus would come back for us. 
The Bible says the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an angel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet our Lord in the air and we will live with him forever and you can't lose because Jesus is coming back for you. There will be a day at the end of your life where you will stand resurrected before your savior and your king. It'll be the same body, but it'll be a different story. There'll be no more cancer and no more nearsightedness and no more arthritis and no more worrying about body image issues and there'll be no more receding hairlines and no more dentist appointment and you won't have to worry anymore about love handles or muffin tops or I used to be a size four and now I'm a size six because here's the deal. You're gonna be standing in front of the God who created you, who's telling you that you are wonderfully and beautifully made. And that's not it. Because of this promise, we know there'll be no more wars and there'll be no more pride and no more hatred and no more broken hearts. There'll be no more tears. There'll just be rejoicing. There'll be no more guilt, it'll all be replaced with hope, and there'll be no more loneliness, it'll be replaced with comfort, and all of your predictions that have held you back because they keep failing over and over again will never hold you back again because your Jesus is coming back for you someday. And so this is why we celebrate baptism. Listen, we put people in the water, but we don't keep them there. We pull them back up and we say, you're raised to a new life. Because we know that someday, although we may die, we will be raised as well. Listen, here's the bad news. You still can't predict your future on earth. You're gonna think things are gonna happen and they're gonna fall through and you're gonna think this thing's gonna go that way and it's not and it's gonna hurt and your predictions are still gonna fail. But you can have confidence that when this life is over, your eternity is secure. And that's why if you believe in Jesus, you can't lose. And so listen, maybe you've been a believer but you've never been baptized and something's been holding you back and today's the day that you wanna do it, you still have time. So as soon as the music starts, you can go out in the lobby and we have shorts and a shirt and we have a towel, we have everything you need. Today can be the day that you get baptized and for some of you, maybe you came in kind of on the fence or a little bit skeptical but throughout this talk, God has been working on you and revealing to you that he is real and that Jesus is who he says he is and now you've decided to believe and when the music starts, you can go out as well and there may be others in the room who you're still skeptical and you're gonna go into these baptisms skeptical but you're gonna watch new lives be raised out of the water and you're gonna see it up on this screen and you're gonna see what change looks like when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of someone and you're gonna decide in this service that it's time for you to get baptized and you're gonna think that you're out of time because we've been through too many songs or whatever's going on and it's the end of the service. Come up here and we'll baptize you in your clothes. Today can be your day. Today can be the day that you get up and you let this room know that you can't lose. Let me pray. God, I thank you for these people God, I thank you that they're a part of what you're doing here at City Church. I thank you for the lives that are gonna go through these baptism waters. New lives, God, because of what you've done, and I pray that you protect and hold and draw these people close to you. God, that as their church family, we surround them and we continue to point them in the right direction.
God, I thank you for your word and that it's so much more than just a book. God, we don't have to prove the Bible because the Bible proves the Bible. You've shown yourself to us in it. You've shown us your son and we're forever grateful for that. And so God, continue to move in the hearts of everyone in this room. If today is someone's day to get baptized and they know it, because even right now, their heart is about to beat all the way out of their chest, I pray that you would give them the courage to stand and to make the proclamation today that they have believed in your son. And so God, continue to just guide us as we celebrate together these baptisms. In Jesus' name, amen.